you really need to observe uh, as much information as possible and you really need to understand like as much things as possible talk with uh, industry people go to the seminars read the books uh, learn from the internet it's you really need to understand as much as possible if you want to really go to the cool projects and do cool things that's right guys if you want to do cool things in life these days you definitely need to upskill yourself and there's no better time than now to absorb as much information as you can so that you'd be of high value not only to yourself or to your company but to others as well so that was a small clip from today's episode with our guest Yero Yuhervi who hails from Finland he presently works as a bim coordinator at Krater in Finland and he's also an entrepreneur in the digital construction space and guess what's the most interesting fact about Yero He's not really an architect but actually comes from a background of game design and game development. So it's pretty cool to hear his story and how he jumped into the world of BIM and infrastructure projects. So this is a BIM packed episode. We're going to talk a lot about BIM, BIM in Finland, how the contractors in Finland are leveraging BIM to do their projects and reaping loads of benefits as well because bim plays a big role in facilities management and for the life of a project we also talk about how the current covid situation is going to have a big impact in our industry and how it's going to disrupt the industry for the better in the coming few months once this situation dies down so there's lots to learn this episode do head to our show notes which is available on arkyan.com/thirty-nine And my last call to action to you would be please do subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast to others who might benefit it would definitely benefit students who are still in architecture school or even other schools related to construction like civil engineering as well because they get to know what's happening in the industry and what steps they need to take to succeed in this industry with that said this is yero you heavy And by the way, I'm mixing things up a bit in this episode. We're going to have the intro now and then jump right to the episode. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and please spread the word. I'll see you guys after the intro. Cheers. You're about to enter the Akyang Podcast. Akyang Podcast. India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together, we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. All right, um, before we jump into the various uh, themes of today's episode, could you give us a brief about your journey and how you got into this field called BIM? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a long journey. So uh, basically, at start, uh, yeah, I graduated as a Bachelor of uh, business, uh, Game Business and uh, Design. So I was developing uh, mobile games and uh, that's very far from uh, construction industry and, uh, well, a little bit closer to being, but uh, <laughs> getting there. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, then uh, I kind of like, uh, because for me, I always have uh, stick to the all interesting stuff and uh, all those uh, difficult questions that I really want to seek answers on. Hmm. And in, uh, for example, in game design, it was uh, monetization and uh, user engagement. But then... Uh, when I uh, got the sales job in um, this kind of um, beam-enabled tools called Infragit, mm-hmm. I first like I don't know, it's like now two and a half year ago. Mm-hmm. I started here and I was like, "What the fuck is uh, infrastructure construction?" I have no idea. It's uh, it's uh, out of my mind. But when the beam was introduced, it was really easy to really learn all the. Uh, how to build and uh, constructing, how the machine control systems works, drones, uh, all these uh, CAD softwares. It's like okay, okay, they all each one of them are very complicated uh, product, and there's a lot of to learn. But uh, it's a much simpler way to approach the whole 
construction uh, through BIM, at least for me. And now, uh, after one, one and a half year, I decided that uh, I don't want to be on the software vendor side. I want mm. to go to the construction. And now I'm a BIM coordinator in uh, one of the main contractors in uh, Finland. Awesome, awesome. So you've come a long way in like a very short span of time, right? How did you make it happen? Oh, I guess that's a bit of luck and also really, really much of working and learning. Like, I mean, when I started, I always like all the, I would call the grandmasters of BIM in Finland. I always ask them to coffee or dinner, Nice. Uh, meet them, uh, having talk and uh, asking a lot of uh, stupid questions, uh, so <laughs> to say, like uh, to really understand their views and how they approach uh, different things. Was it then uh, be modeling or information management or all these beam enabled tools? And uh, that way, it always give a little bit of a piece of like uh, knowledge that then I try to apply myself and learn uh, the real uh, challenges and problems and what you really need to start taking care of and notices to get this uh, system uh, running forward uh, well. All right. So um, could you briefly tell us about, so I'm, I'm sure like you're an entrepreneur because you started few companies and then now you're in the BIM space, right? So uh, could you briefly tell us about your entrepreneurial journey as well? I think you started something called One Level Up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it has been like all my life I have had a very entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, mm. So even though like, for example, right now, uh, I'm still thinking and developing uh, new products, but inside uh, our company, but again, one level up, it was quite a simple, uh, simple thing. Like uh, I was uh, uh, abroad, I lived in Singapore, Indonesia and uh, South Korea. Nice. And uh, then I was, uh, when I looked the scene in there and I saw there was a lot of uh, software developers and uh, myself, I have learned uh, also a little bit of uh, coding. Mm. And uh, then I thought about when I went back to Finland that, hey, maybe I should try overseas uh, outsourcing company. I know how unique idea is that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started it and uh, run it like uh, one and a half a year, but then uh, I decided that it's really hard to maintain uh, the quality and uh, that's why i decided then to uh, like stop stop uh, that business and move to the other challenges yeah now you're an entrepreneur in the bim space right you started something called infra pioneer right yeah yeah i mean uh, it's basically it's more telling the step-by-step -step guides to really how to approach bim and how you should uh, uh, what kind of like perspective and mentality you should have to really get the full benefit of BIM in construction, especially mm. in infrastructure construction. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's, I'm kind of ADHD in that, uh, that way that uh, <laughs> I always uh, like to think like how we could push this value and make it scale as big as possible with the least effort as possible. And Infra Pioneer is one of them. And then, now I'm uh, developing also this kind of like system for uh, lean, uh, mm. how to say, lean process adaptations uh, to really in the construction side where we have like a huge number of different people, everyone has different tasks and so on. And it's really hard to push forward new ideas or better met working methods or new tools even because it's very distributed. Like there's a lot of teams and such. And then I'm now trying to solve uh, that kind of part inside uh, our company Create to really make that uh, development much more faster and efficient. Hmm. And you play, uh, you in your LinkedIn profile, uh, you've written like so many articles, right, on BIM and uh, <laughs> and I was just going through them before the episode. So it is uh, pretty uh, useful, I guess. And um, yeah, there there was few good analogies that you spoke about spending one dollar on design, ten dollars on uh, construction, and then hundred dollars on uh, the maintenance, right? So, could you briefly tell us about what that is? Yeah, I mean that's uh, kind of like uh, it's good way for especially like uh, property owners to think and approach construction. Mm -hmm. I find it really how to say like I find it really 
foolish that uh, it's really like uh, each uh, this design phase or the architecture stage or the construction stage or maintenance stage, they all separate uh, blocks and everyone tries to optimize those uh, stages on mm-hmm. them on themselves to mm-hmm. get the uh, lowest price for the most uh, resource. But then again, if we think about construction and the, the the kind of uh, design deliveries what we get they are like absolute shit most of uh, like it's more common that they are bad than they are good it's rare cases that we get like really good designs yeah and that's why it's like if you spend that one euro more in design then it saves for us in construction 10 euros because we don't need we don't need to uh, remove something that we already built and build it again because of this mistake or something like this. And if we don't notice that mistake and then it goes to the maintenance, then it's like next 50 years you are paying for that mistake. So it gets really expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's a good, like uh thumb rule of uh, thinking that, uh, to have that one euro, 10 euro and hundred euro on different stages. Yeah, absolutely. There was uh, also another article where uh, you spoke about, you wrote about the road in uh, next to uh, this Golden Gate Bridge, right? Which they converted to a park and uh, they only convinced the clients after they made the 3D of the model, uh, <laughs> but not with the 2D drawings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, you have experienced that as well for shots that uh, if you are uh, taking your drawings to front of the, your potential clients and they are seeing 2d drawings they are not seeing how it really is built yeah but then when you bring them 3d beam models and they can see all the different shapes how it's going to be built they get more ideas also but they also uh, understand what they are now buying and what they are now getting and i think that's uh it's the the more visual you can get it it's much more better for every every group that uh, goes from architecture to forward yeah, and it's not just 3D, right? It's 4D, 5D, it's uh, much more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's uh, like now we're also trying to understand more of the uh, like 4D scheduling and uh, then the cost estimations because they are like, at least in the construction, they are really separate pieces. Like they don't yeah. much communicate each other, but then... Uh, with uh, beam enabled tools, we can uh, approach more closer that we would have this, uh, how to say, this uh, beam hub or one place where all the beam hmm. uh, models are, and then all the estimation and scheduling softwares could communicate with that and give us a much more clear picture of how it is going to build on what timeline and how much it's going to cost on each phase and so on. And I think it's really interesting to really get closer to 4D, 5D, 6D, and so forth. I think that's that's something uh, in the near future that uh, we all should have and utilize. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, talking about all these benefits, right? Have you personally uh, realized or seen those benefits while working on uh, re- real projects in Finland? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, when you go outside of Finland, uh, you quickly realize that uh, it's really changes the game a lot when you start uh, going to beam-based uh, construction. For example, uh, in Finland, all the big projects, hmm. no contractor wins the project if they are not using beam and uh, uh, machine control systems and uh, so forward. It's impossible because it, it, the benefit what you get from beam utilizing construction is so huge that uh, it's just you are out of the game if you don't already have a adopted in your own processes the beam enabled uh, work processes yeah so what is the bim scenario in finland right now has it become compulsory for everyone to use uh, bim softwares and tools yeah i mean i don't know like maybe <laughs> maybe some really small villages we may have some construction companies who don't use uh, okay. <laughs> uh, machine control system but i mean it's almost everyone uses it and i think like all the main contractors, what we have in Finland, everyone demands also from the subcontractors that, hey, you need to have machine control system or you are not getting the job. It's a, it's a must. And this is for infra- infrastructure in general, right? Not just architecture buildings and uh, uh, the buildings in general. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so much uh, aware how, how well it is adopted in uh, like building construction itself. 
but uh, for example, like foundations or bridges or tunnels or roads, we are using uh, a lot of uh, beam on them, like on the like hard uh, like concrete uh, construction, like foundations and uh, bridges. But we do uh, we yeah, like the beam models. We don't cannot put it to, to the machines because it's not accurate enough. But uh, we are using it to understand the construction. And the project itself much more better. And also, we are implementing 4D and 5D on those visualization models. Awesome. But then again, in Earthworks, then it's like because the accuracy is something like for us uh, uh, three centimeters, what we need to get. Oh wow! Or like uh, lower surfaces is what we are digging. And for those, we can then use machine control systems. Like uh, for example, it was uh, quite a good project. Uh, to tell one is that we had um, well we had a 16 kilometers of highway hmm. and uh, we had maybe something like 20 25 different excavator hmm. drivers on that project and basically what we had only to do we sent the models to the machines and the machine drivers drive based on that models and then take uh, log points recording like log points is uh, like um, uh, quality points to show where we have a duck or field there, different uh, surface of that uh, road. Like lasers. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, they take the log points and then they pull up their phones and they check on the application that uh, how much that the log point that they took uh, measured to the P models, what we had, how much they differ, that if, they, if it was Onto the quality, no need to change. But if there was a little bit of that, it was off the quality. They go immediately next day and fix it themselves. And that again, that time that we don't have to be on the quality control and surveying and looking, uh, looking that the excavator drivers are digging uh, and doing uh, good work. We don't need to focus on that at all because the excavator drivers themselves are doing all that work themselves. Wow, that's crazy. So your roads yeah, are... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was uh, the first time I proposed this idea that, hey, let's let's do this more autonomous, that we don't need to uh, really care about that. And it's it's really funny, like, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, the quality chief of that project uh, came to me like, hey, I, I don't have any, any jobs in this project <laughs> anymore. Like, I'm now doing other projects because... There's not much <laughs> work left for me in here, and it was it was quite funny funny to hear that uh, it really really makes that efficiency that yeah, exactly. people uh, people have this uh, knowledge that they need, and then they can operate and finish it, and they don't need to have like one or two different groups to check that uh, everything is good before they start building up the next layer. Yeah, and I think that's something that we should do really drive forward in uh, BIM because that's the big opportunity here. Yeah, and we can leverage BIM to maintain these products for a very, very long time, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think the end results, uh, especially when we think uh, for the maintenance phase, I think that's that's what uh, really improves because we are getting the top quality and uh, it's uh, easy to, like, there's not so how to say, big uh, investment on the quality assurance. Of course, we are doing double checking and so on, but uh, it doesn't require so uh, many hours to do. And I think that makes us uh, that we can, as a contractor, we can make our project much more efficiently, but also the end result for clients is much better and they can have uh, their own uh, property much well maintained in the future. Yeah. The thing is, I don't want to complain, but in Bangalore, you know, we keep redoing our roads every year, year in and year out, and the <laughs> rain, rain keeps spoiling it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think the game changer there is uh, the machine control systems. Like, I mean, it's a big, big change. And I mean, like, uh, there has been, uh, like, I think uh, in, uh, in Asia, the... Vietnam is closest to getting to the same level of uh, Finland, but uh, right. I think still the machine control is quite new. Even when you go to the Germany, hmm. what is like engineering uh, miracle land, uh, still uh, the machine control is not widespread. It's for some contractors, but not for everyone. Awesome. So Finland's way better than Germany now. <laughs> well, <laughs> 
client for example our government has their own uh, beam project bank hmm. uh, now on development but also we have like uh, contractors have own project banks and so forth and it's they all do different purposes some are only for visualization and some hmm. are more for the quality assurance and so forth so it's uh, it's still quite uh, distributed it's not one place where all the data goes and uh, from there we get it uh, still like i hope that in future we would have this kind of system but at the moment it's still like uh, five different uh, softwares and then when you start to look uh, information somewhere it's those five different products that you need to start looking from but the government of finland has definitely motivated you guys to uh, pick up your uh, shoes and like take the level to the next stage right yeah Yeah, I mean I mean I I don't think uh, I really don't think that uh, Finland wouldn't be so uh, advanced in beam without uh, government because government has pushed uh, really much forward with their requirements to utilize of beam and uh, finding that uh, how to say the golden road utilizing beam to get the full benefit out of it. Uh, since you guys are part of the euro uh, do you have like certain standards that you follow or is it only the bim standards of finland that you follow uh there's uh, this uh, like uh, regarding the models itself uh, we have this uh, ifc i think that's uh, quite global if you have yeah. a building smart uh, india in uh, they they also push uh, that ifc IFC format forward and I think that's uh, one good standard of it and uh, in Finland we have uh, also our own format for like uh, earthworks so we are using this kind of like landing land, land xml extension to have our formats with uh, more information but I think in the future I think all of us the IFC looks uh, really promising and uh, we need to look forward to when they start releasing the ifc road that how well they are working and how we can get them uh, uh, well to the machine control systems and so forward All but right. uh, then outside of like uh, the standardization work uh, the quality quality requirements then it's also like it's nationally and uh, municipality level hmm. so nationally we have uh, uh, like the how to say the quality how it should be uh, what kind of accuracy and then municipality level we have the uh, the delivery like if we go to the some small village we have to deliver the pdfs mm-hmm. if we go to the bigger city we can give the digital handover what basically means uh, digital pdfs mm-hmm. <laughs> but again like uh, as i spoke earlier that uh, our government is trying to make that uh, beam hub uh for our country and i think in the future we can then directly send the beam models how we build it to the that uh, beam hub and that way we can have that uh, delivery in beam and not in uh, pdfs and the goal definitely is towards uh, sustainability and uh, having a greener environment right Yeah uh I think it's more on the like government and municipality side of uh, thinking those things or civil engineering like uh, as a contractor it's uh, we don't really uh, think uh, those much like of course it's uh, important value and uh, it's important thing but uh, as long as it's not uh, like a requirement uh, we are really not uh, wasting so to say wasting our competency to uh trying to adopt it you know what i mean yeah yeah all right and uh like so far in my uh, podcast i've had guests talk only about bim for architecture and the various tools we use under architecture but how how does a contractor use bim and what are the tools that he uses yeah uh basically it's completely different like uh 
uh, we use mostly surveying products. Hmm. I think there's, uh, I can't remember the name, but uh, basically we have like uh, softwares that are made for surveyors. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we get uh, the civil engineers and architects use their own softwares on uh, mostly Autodesk products, and they pr- produce us the uh, the models or then the 2D DVG formats. And then we utilize those files to uh, convert through our surveying softwares to make machine guidance models and uh, mm-hmm. other visualization models, or if we are making quantity estimations, then we are utilizing those to calculate how much we need to cut or fill to get this built. And it's it's quite a different, like, like it, at least in Finland, uh, we have this kind of like uh, struggle, <laughs> you could say, between the civil engineers and uh, construction companies, like the softwares that the civil engineers are using, and then right. they are producing, they're exporting their, yeah yeah 2d drawings sometimes there's uh models but uh, it's uh something that is never like really uh good for for us we need to fix them up quite a lot and then these uh like uh, our surveying uh, softwares and then the civil engineering softwares they are not very adaptable so they are not very communicating with each other and that's why we need to it's quite common that we just delete the civil engineers uh, models <laughs> and we need to remodel it ourselves because there's so much uh, mistakes and problems but that's not always sometimes they are really good but that's like one in uh, maybe 50 projects yeah and i'm sure like maybe i i don't know if you've already done this but maybe in the future you do projects without zero printouts right you do it only digitally yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's quite dependent of uh, what the client uh, puts as a requirement for the de- delivery. Like we would, <laughs> we would be more than happy to uh, deliver them in BIM and on uh, digital, like on models and such. But uh, again, then what the uh, client wants, then we need to produce the delivery such as he wants. Okay. So I think that's the big slowdown. Like uh, I think all main contractors in Finland would want to hand it uh, like as uh, giving a BIM, BIM models as a delivery, but that's not uh, at the moment uh, possible. Yeah, I think in few countries like Singapore and UK, uh, the sanction drawings and everything should be done in BIM. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really smart choice. Yeah. All right. Uh, what does your role as a BIM coordinator uh, play in create uh, the company you work for? Create. Create. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, basically, well, coordinating the coordinating the BIM processes and uh, operations uh, in uh, construction projects. So basically, I'm uh, uh, training people, uh, the workforce in uh, in the project teams, and also teaching them the tools and uh, approaches and processes that we are utilizing uh, to get the benefit uh, from uh, beam based production as much as possible all right so in in like if we look uh, <laughs> it uh, in a, like if uh, practically uh, basically it means that i'm trying to learn as many products and softwares and uh, such as possible and also understanding our normal uh, construction process and then understanding the like uh, national uh, requirements for beam based production and also what our own company has uh, developed and improved on the beam based uh, production and then uh, trying to all this information to package it in such uh, way that I can then train our project team to learn those tools and uh, utilize it as much as possible. All right. Um, like when you compare game design to BIM, right? BIM is sort of boring. So how do you make it uh, fun? <laughs> well, I mean, gamification is really interesting topic. And uh, I think uh, 
it's uh yeah maybe a transition to a virtual reality or something like that i guess yeah i mean i have been like you know i have been watching uh following in amazon to buy smart glasses for myself like uh vr and ar i think mm-hmm. those are like fabulous things and i really want to utilize them in construction mm. but uh, i think it's uh, really different because the visualization for us is nothing more than nice to watch mm-hmm. like it's yeah. it, it doesn't it, it it doesn't have the enough information that we need we need the accuracy of uh, that three centimeters at minimum mm-hmm. uh, then i have uh, watched the uh triple hololens that have the ar with uh, enough accuracy mm-hmm. and also i'm really interested to like looking forward that what we could uh uh do in a space of uh augmented reality to really benefit from that that we could see the current construction site and we could see the models as well and we could uh, see as clear that uh, how much they align together that we are on that target uh, surface that we are now cutting or filling and i think there's a lot of potential of course to really develop ar softwares for construction but it's again it really requires that uh accuracy of uh, location you need to get that uh, 3 cm so if you give us like uh, gps location accuracy what is like 1 meter to 10 meters hmm. and then ar it's not sufficient enough we are not uh, benefiting from that so much yeah and one more way to make uh, bim cool would be use of uh, drones and uh, robotics right yeah yeah <laughs> that's so fun like uh, uh the drones itself it's uh, really fun like we are we are using mostly uh propeller or pix40 and uh, then uh dji drones nice. and uh, it's really it makes so much easier like uh, quantity uh calculations you mm-hmm. just have the normal surface and when the uh, when the excavators have uh, dumped the enough material we can then just fly it over once and we have the calculated masses it's so easy and i think the drones to have like this kind of like uh uh real time view of uh, the construction site what is happening yeah, what yeah. is already installed and so on it makes it so much beneficial but again it's uh, there i would say the application are still running a bit late like uh, the need is there but there's not really uh simple softwares to really suit our needs at the moment at all at least i haven't hmm. uh, yet found one yeah and the backbone of all this is really good internet right i i guess most of uh, <laughs> finland has like really good internet yeah i mean i don't like well it's it's really good internet near the cities but when we go like middle of nowhere let's say 100 kilometers from any big city yeah. and uh, on those places even the 3g like mobile internet is not working so yeah. then uh, on those places drones or uh, machine control systems you don't you cannot use those in uh, those places but mm. it's very few in uh, finland so uh, we got quite good coverage uh, normally okay awesome and uh, do you do you think that you would visit the dubai expo and explore like more uh, the latest and greatest in construction that would be actually quite good like i i have had it on my calendar but i have haven't found the time to visit it maybe next year definitely could be a good place to go yeah absolutely what do you feel would be like uh, the game changer in uh, construction technology i mean there are a lot of technology already but uh, maybe something which would become more efficient for us and uh, make designs better well i think uh, where the future of uh, construction is going is uh, having your own uh, uh, development like software development hmm. because like if we look uh, all the commercial products hmm. in the world uh, they are focusing on uh, scalable uh, uh, problems like for example machine control systems it focuses on all the whole global environment of excavator or doser drivers and those who need uh, Uh, machine guidance to make it a uh, really good quality once and they don't need surveyor next to it and that's like serving whole world but then again if we look uh, as an individual company we also have a lot of different needs 
that are now done by pushing papers or writing analysis or a lot of like information communication mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's like trying to fix the leaking pipe with uh, something that doesn't really hold and i think that's uh, something there's a lot of opportunity and i think that's the future of uh, construction to really having own software development that uh, you are developing integrations and small automations mm. uh, between those commercial products to suit your company as good as possible all right and talking about automations how have you guys uh, lever- how have you guys leveraged automation in construction well i mean at the moment it's very minimal to be honest it's uh, like uh, the commercial products is they don't really provide it but mm. uh, then again like for example what we have now stumbled upon and started to develop is uh, our own um, designing so <laughs> yes and yes we have been frustrated on uh, designers models and mm-hmm. now uh, we decided that hey we take the most crucial pieces of uh, civil engineers uh, designs and we started using algorithms mm. to model for us uh, if there comes revision, no problem. We just uh, change the parameters and there you go. You have a fixed model. And this way, it's uh, like one way to combat that. Uh, we never know what is the quality of uh, designs. So that way we always get the good machine guidance models without needing to trust the uh, earlier stage. Yeah, I think uh, you should hire those civil engineers and have them in house, right? You can reduce, increase the efficiency that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, I think it's always a problem. Like, if you think, uh, for example, if you think architects and they are making uh, their designs and then they are giving it civil engineers, I think civil engineers feel the same way. Like I feel about civil engineers that mm-hmm. they come something that is really uh, troublesome to. Uh, to keep continuing developing and I need to just reset it and do it myself from a a start uh, and uh, look at details from the architect's designs. And I think that that's really important to think, uh, for example, uh, us as a contractor, we need to think uh, what is uh, the best possible uh, uh, delivery for the maintenance phase that they could uh, benefit from the most and same for architecture, should think what kind of things civil engineers would want to benefit from and civil engineers to think how much, what would be the things that the construction company would benefit from. And I think that's uh, that's what you said, uh, it's a good idea and we should have more, more people uh, really interested to go together and talk and change ideas and uh, find the best possible uh, way to approach those uh, challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And the idea of uh, working remotely because of all these technologies is uh, become more of a new norm now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you are just a BIM modeler, you can be in Tahiti or where, wherever you want to be. I mean, it's uh, you don't need to be have a place to really do that work. It's uh, all remote. But uh, it's really like, I think, at least in construction, it's not uh, some some roads are going fully remote, but not everyone. Like uh, I think in the future, also foreman's work will get more and more remote. That he can handle now he handles one project, but in future he can handle like five projects at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So that way he have like a re- real time analytics how each of his project is uh, progressing, what kind of quality, what kind of issues, and he can then support those five different projects uh, uh, for the one man one man army yeah absolutely and i feel like i don't know if this is a utopian idea but a client could uh, pretty much just gives give the architect the site and uh, in like maybe in a month's time or two two months time the house is done and it's all done automated yeah yeah i mean that's approaching it uh and I think that's the future of uh, getting closer to that. And it's, I think that's really interesting. Like, I think it is, <laughs> I, I don't think we need to wait even uh, 100 years to hmm. get that happen. I think it's uh, in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. With 3D technology and all that, right? Yeah. 
3D printing. And especially like when you when you look at 3D printing uh, houses and uh, shots already, I think it's uh, it's it's just mind blowing technology. It's amazing. But do you feel that uh, our jobs would be on the line with the rise of all these new technologies like AI <clears throat> and machine learning? Well, I think it's just it just means that uh, each uh, individual has to learn something new. It's like uh, before there was industrialization or anything else, the major change in uh, workforce. And it just meant that uh, people have to re-educate or improve their skill sets to mm. suit the future better. And I think that's, that's all. Like, uh, I don't think there's uh, less jobs. There's always people, uh, there's always work needing for people to do the job, but it's more of a, you need to have the skill sets. Yeah, it's super important to keep upskilling yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, never stop. So what are you learning right now? Well, uh, I really got interested uh, a month ago on uh, like uh, coordinating the design phase. Hmm. And uh, I'm now talking with uh, uh, the colleagues and the people in the industry who have been doing that job and really trying to be like a sponge to really <laughs> get all the information possible and uh, really understanding what it takes to coordinate this kind of like uh, big projects uh, design effort. Because I think uh, like we have uh, some project that uh, alliances where we have uh, the uh, design company as our subcontractor. And we need to do the design coordination. And I think that would be really interesting challenge to learn uh, to coordinate that and get that kind of uh, design materials that we can immediately use in our machine control systems and other other, uh, softwares. Awesome. Uh, So you had like a background in game design and you jumped into BIM. Uh, Do you feel that in the future you maybe uh, design something, uh, maybe a game in uh, with the real life, like how we have <laughs> Pokemon Go or something along those lines. Yeah, um, how to say? Like uh, the why I jumped out of the uh, game industry is that because I don't feel that the I don't feel that the people really are healthy socially. Hmm. It was just uh, not a culture for me in uh, different game studios, what I saw. And uh, I think developing games is a fun, but again, it's like uh, it's like uh, gambit, you know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you never know when you are investing one year or one and a half year on the game development. You never know the outcome. Do you get uh, enough revenue to pay the bills or not? And I think that's uh, something that I really didn't like in uh, game development and that's why probably staying out of that. <laughs> yeah, and I think in the future you don't really require a degree in architecture engineering to get into c- certain fields like this, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you are ready to learn everything that there is in uh, construction or architecture or design, then you can make it happen. I mean, yeah. you don't need a degree for that, but uh, Again, it's uh, it's a much more challenging road to take. Like you need to really use your um, communication skills to meet with the right people who can then recommend you forward and uh, that way get the position. Yeah, I'm sure you've hustled a lot. <laughs> well, it has. Uh, it uh, it takes uh, quite an uh, enormous effort to okay. really make it. So it's it's a uh, it's a hard, but it's possible. Like, like anything is uh, possible. But uh, again, uh, education makes you that you are that three to six years learning, and then you have the qualification to get immediately a job. Mm-hmm. Now, other way is that you don't need that uh, six years six years in uh, school, but you need to really have that inner drive, the motivation to learn and observe and absorb everything. Uh, uh, regarding uh, these subjects and then when you have mastered these you can get, get then positions uh, what you like yeah absolutely Elon Musk also said that you don't really require a degree you can just if you have the skill set I'll probably hire you yeah yeah definitely it's more of a personal and the skills that you own than the degree that you have yeah 
All right, uh, you know, um, what I generally ask this to all my guests uh, in the end, uh, what advice would you give to like people who get, are getting into construction or the eco uh, AC industry? Simple, simple tip, learn everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you really need to observe uh, as much information as possible and you really need to understand like as much things as possible talk with uh, industry people go to the seminars read the books uh, learn from the internet it's you really need to understand as much as possible if you want to really go to the cool projects and do cool things uh, <laughs> there was a lot of useful content and i'm sure our listeners are going to learn a lot from this episode now, uh, before I let you go, we just quickly jump to the quick fire round and uh, then we'll wrap it up. Sounds good. All right. So which book has inspired you the most? How to influence uh, friends. And uh, I think that's, uh, I don't remember the whole book's name, but that's really good. Name. All right. Um, which, what type of music do you listen to? Uh, nowadays, I don't really listen to any music, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, wow. What is that? <laughs> I I don't know. Like um, nowadays, I like to binge watch uh, documentaries a lot and uh, and read. Uh, uh, well, actually, listen to ebooks. So I hmm. listen a lot of uh, Audible books, and uh, that's why I never mostly listen to music anymore because I have always a book who is uh, telling me what they are reading. Writing. All right. And which audio book would you recommend? Um, good question. Actually, right now I'm uh, listening to Orwell's uh, book, Year, year 1986, oh, I think okay. it was the name. Yeah, 1984. Yeah, that's really good. Really interesting story. All right. Uh, which city would you consider your favorite? Ooh, that's good. Uh, I think, uh, well, not specifically city, but I think the middle European cities are just amazing. Like when you go to the Dutch and go see uh, uh, the cities there, the architecture and the design, it's just mind blowing. It's just like you could just uh, stay there whole week watching those buildings. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you had any mentors in your life or someone who's inspired you? plenty of people. <laughs> okay. I think uh, finding mentors is uh, really crucial for everyone's learning. And uh, I think like every every day who I, uh, people I meet, I always try to befriend them. And uh, that way I also get uh, new mentors because they are telling a lot of uh, things that I don't know. I, and I learn from them and adapt them on my own work. And it's just amazing. I think uh, plenty get as many mentors as possible. <laughs> All right. And uh, do you have any LinkedIn tips? Because you have a really good uh, LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn tips. Uh, be active. And uh, I mean, in LinkedIn, I think that's uh, the modern day in Facebook that uh, if I want to learn something new, I just open uh, LinkedIn uh, mm -hmm. news and uh, I read uh, what people are posting. And there's a lot of information right over there i mean that's the uh, best way to really discover new things uh, what you could uh, test and uh, try in your own work awesome all right and what does a daily routine your life look like yeah uh, i really don't have a routine like basically my routine is that that i'm doing uh, the research and development work in Create uh, and then uh, some excavator driver calls me and saying my models are shit and then I <laughs> quickly go fix them and send them again to excavator. <laughs> but basically it's, uh, it really changes day to day and that's what I really love there in, the, in this position that you really don't have a similar day. And uh, you do party in the weekends, right? <laughs> little bit, only a little bit. <laughs> do you stay in Helsinki? Uh, near it, Hyvinka. It's like 70 kilometers from there, but uh, I okay. work in Helsinki. So you could say that. <laughs> All right. My last question to you would be, uh, what are your future plans or where do you see yourself uh, 10 years from now? 
Good question. Mm, I really haven't planned uh, that far. Like uh, for now, I really want to push forward the construction industry and of course as a contractor to push the efficiency of our construction and so far as this keeps me interesting and there's something new every day for me to learn i'm staying here but then if uh, i get to the place where i don't have anything new to learn from uh, this company then i look forward all right and do you think like I, i'm sure like you would like to like travel even more right travel the world a lot yeah yeah but uh, again like uh, earlier in my younger years i traveled a lot like i was uh, i was a little bit over two years traveling in asia then i moved for one year to russia and uh, so on and i have seen quite a good uh, variety of like asia and europe and uh, then the russia of course but uh, maybe later when i feel so i want to go see latin america and africa and yeah. maybe usa yeah absolutely and hopefully even the coronavirus would have reduced by then <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy like yeah. everyone is so so scared of it yeah all right hero i think that was a great fun session thanks for coming to the akian podcast um what was the best way our listeners could get in touch with you uh i would recommend uh, checking out the website the www.infrapioneer.com it's more for construction of course but uh, again if you want to absorb everything it's good way to learn the struggles and problems that uh, we face in uh, during construction awesome all right uh, you know hopefully we would meet in the future and uh, maybe talk more about construction the aec industry thanks for uh, doing what you do and uh, helping more people and increasing most importantly increasing the efficiency of our very uh, non innovative industry right <laughs> yeah yeah thank you so much manish for having me here it was great great pleasure all right cheers thanks for listening to the ak young podcast we're still building the community please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit just send them to akyan.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes search for the show on any major podcasting platform don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now and if you liked it leave a rating or review